1: Dunedin and I am joined by Mawera Karatai in Fakatani. Kia ora Mawera. Kia Sam, how's it going? It's going very well for a Tuesday. <laughs> nice one. How's your garden going?
0: Garden is good. Um, last night we had tornadoes in we wow. We could see them in the sky forming, they didn't come all the way down so I don't know if they're still called tornadoes then but yeah, we've had yeah very peculiar weather, and our river's going to flood. And yes, yeah, very exciting stuff.
1: But but your plants are all right, and the chickens are all right.
0: Yep, the chickens are fine. Sam. <laughs> <laughs> the chickens are happy, well protected from the storm. It's really funny. They will not go inside though. They'll sit there in that stormy weather. They'll sit on the top of their on this resting bar, all snuggled up together. They flip that interesting creatures.
1: <laughs> and who are we introducing today?
0: Today, it is my very great pleasure to introduce Pleasance Hansen. She's an inspirational speaker and transformational facilitator coach um, based here in New Zealand. Um, She truly, really demonstrates an unquenchable belief in the power of the human spirit to transcend obstacles and forge new paths. Now, I read that about her, but actually having heard her speak very recently, I know that that is the case. And she really is committed to making the world a better place for all. So it's a delight to have you here, Pleasance.
2: Thank you for sharing with us. Yes, thank you. An absolute delight to be here too. Thank you for the opportunity.
1: And welcome, Pleasance.
2: Thank you, Sam. Welcome,
1: How Sam. was your lockdown? How was your bubbles?
2: Well, the bubble turned out to be all right. After the first ten days, I've been an absolute shock. Uh, because um, as people, viewers will probably gather fairly quickly, I'm a real people person. So the idea of being locked in my home, um, doing what I thought I probably needed to do, which was go sort my study, uh, kind of threw me into deep despair. But then within 10 days, I realised there was nothing like that. It was like, get on Zoom, connect with people around the world, jam with my brother. You know, it was just phenomenal. So from after after I had that realisation, it just took off.
1: So you managed to you managed to, to connect
2: I did, and I connected globally. Um, I became very good at I was already doing that anyway, a number of international zooms, international groups I was part of, but I became very agile in my own mind about time changes. you know like right now, I can tell you, um, we are between eighteen to twenty one hours ahead of the states two hours ahead of Australia, and as I 'm frequently fond of saying, New Zealand is um, the world 's future. <laughs> <laughs> not just in time only <laughs> did you get a feeling of it, it, it's
1: interesting that when mm. we weren't able to get together as community mm. it actually made us think about how important community is and find ways of creating mm. community
2: yes very much so and i mean that's where i think um without without platforms like zoom for instance or cell phones or whatever it's kind of very hard to imagine how it would have been. Um, though, on the other hand, on my daily walks, seeing neighbours working out how to keep their social distance, so sitting in their deck chairs at the appropriate distance from each other, having cups of tea together. So actually, you know, we have this innate desire to form community. We would we do it no matter what, uh, but, but quite an extraordinary experience to go through to, to have to work out how to do it differently.
1: And were you working from home?
2: Yes, I was. Um, I already was working from home. Um, I was part of an international group uh, developing an online applied leadership program. So that gave me a great opportunity to really focus on that. And I'd say the lockdown period was a chance to accelerate that work. So it made a big big difference actually, actually working online. I mean, I did miss the usual contact I'd been used to having, meeting my clients at lovely cafes and having deep conversations, so I missed all of that. <laughs> um, but but on the other hand, the, the online work actually took off.
1: Presumably that came about from contact you had had with people previously, or was it something yes. that emerged?
2: It was contact I had had with people previously. And alongside that too, I have to say, I've been very involved in a political party in New Zealand, the Greens, uh, the Greens of Aotearoa New Zealand. Um, so I had already been accustomed to lots of Zoom calls with them. So that also um, that also continued during that period. But, but it was more like an acceleration. And I guess the other thing, Sam, is um, the connection I then felt with old, old friends ringing me from around New Zealand, me ringing them to see how we were going and the sense of checking in with each other in a way that we we hadn't really been bothered doing before because we had got so caught up in the busyness of our lives.
1: It's interesting that that busyness and how much Mm. we did appreciate the time Mm. when we were forcibly not so busy. And mm. and rec- recognizing that an awful lot of people did it hard, and there is an awful lot yep. of um, vulnerabilities out there. Yes, it was still for most people a time which I think that they recognized at the time as actually, this is this isn't bad. This is this is an opportunity mm-hmm. to, to to slow down and to yeah. to, to to think about mm. things.
2: Yes, yes, I fully agree. And in, in fact, it kind of felt like the universe. Um, giving us a giant pause like you know hand on the pause button and then watching so much on um, Facebook or YouTube clips about how nature was thriving and and still as I read recently 2,000 very rare endangered turtles were born on some beach in Mexico um Things like the dolphins and the canals in, in Venice, or, you know, the, the, the bird life. I mean, the bird life around my home and on daily walks was, was quite phenomenal. So it's like, like nature being able to take advantage of this breathing space in a way and, and improve some of the biodiversity that's, that's still quite acutely under threat. We have
1: holidays every year Mm. But they don't mm. seem to have the same effect. We, we fill our holidays with being real busy.
2: Yes, yes. And feeling we have to go out and do stuff and be places. So I think that was the other extraordinary thing about lockdown. And I found this talking with many of my friends too. It's kind of like it brought oursel- us home to ourselves in a different kind of way. And And also because valuing people... Um, became a lot more prominent and taking note of, like here in New Zealand, the daily briefings we had with our Prime Minister, doing those briefings with the Director General and just feeling so very well informed and also that we we were being handled very well as a country. So I think in New Zealand we've been very fortunate around how COVID has been handled during lockdown and how it's continuing to be handled.
1: It's been described as a, a masterclass of communication.
2: Yeah. Ah,
1: yes, that makes sense. Why do you think it was so successful?
2: What we did here in New Zealand? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, think, um, I think the very first reason is that we, we have a prime minister who's just recently been re-elected with, with a resounding um, majority, uh, a prime minister who, who is a very skilled communicator In terms of her empathy with people and so i think what we what we have here in this country is someone who's leading from her heart um who also knows how to work in collaboration with others and and respects and and honors others expertise there's no sense that she's got an ego that's going to get in the way of being threatened by other people knowing so it's like that's that's really phenomenal
1: the messages of be kind, and the team of mm. of five million, the team mm. the, yes. that that collective aspects to it, mm. Mm. that really worked, and and yes. it's quite different from the, the the previous attempts that we've had to to do something like that, like New Zealand Inc. Mm.
2: It's mm. a very different a,
1: philosophy, but it seems to have worked.
2: It really does, and I think that I think like one of the. um Mantras, if you like, I remember from, from our earlier lockdown this year was um, keep yourself, keep others safe by social distancing, keep others safe by not going out to the grocery store or the supermarket if you have a cold. Um, it's like we, we were encouraged to kind of to keep thinking of others, put putting others health before ours in a way, which then meant we looked after ourselves better too. So it was like It was like this extraordinary opportunity that New Zealand seized and I guess our leadership in particular to bring home to everyone that we were all in this together. We were a team of five. We were. We are a team of five million. And our behaviour impacts on others way beyond um, the ripple effect, you know, way beyond what we, we had previously imagined. So it was like a real turnaround in our thinking, like a consciousness almost like raising our consciousness around what it is to be human in these times, in these very challenging times.
1: So perhaps to celebrate that election and the election in the States, let's have Pete yeah. Seeger, We Shall Overcome. Why this one?
2: But, oh, it's just, look, I'm a baby boomer. And, um, you know, when I was thinking about music, it just it just came into my head, We Shall Overcome, because I actually feel something extraordinary and incredibly significant, has been overcome in the States. And just briefly on that, earlier today I was on a Zoom call with a group of people, um, meditators actually, lesbians and gay men in New York, and I've been been Zooming with them all the way through the lockdown and continuing, and their ecstasy about how they felt today. They said it's like they'd been in a four-year depression and suddenly they're out of it. Toasting champagnes down in central park um, cars dance parties etc so absolutely we shall overcome the shadow of fear that's been cast ac- across the planet over the last four years well, yeah we shall and we are overcoming it
3: We shall overcome. we shall Oh Ah. Uh.
1: We almost talked about your applied leadership program. Let's come back to that. What is that?
2: Okay. Yes, well, I'm, I'm part of an international group of women um, called The, the, the Evolutionistas, um, and we've developed a program that came out of an academy we were in with Barbara Marks Hubbard last year in 2019, on Zoom, about 36 of us around the world um, joining in with Barbara Marks Hubbard in the Evolutionary Ambassadors Academy. And there she was, working with us uh, at the age of eighty-nine. And eight weeks into the course, very unexpectedly, she passed. She was in hospital for an operation, and we thought for her knee. And we were with her in that for that very last time. So we were the group that were with her before she died. And then the, the week after that, uh, she was unconscious, and then she she. Past, But what happened is it galvanised us into this incredible, um, it gave us an incredible bond. And then out of that, a group of us continued to meet. Um, We called ourselves a heart circle. And then towards the beginning and the earlier part of this year, 2020, uh, there were four of us left saying, okay, we're going to do this. We're taking this particular torch from Barbara Marks Hubbard, and we are launching it. So we're in the process of doing that right now evolutionistas.com
1: So launching it, what is it?
2: It. So it's a 12-weekly um, program, and it starts with what is the new genius for these times? And we begin by having people explore what are their individual gifts. So they become really conscious of what it is that they, they have to offer the world uh, because our belief is every human being On this planet that's here at this stage actually has a purpose behind being alive so the people that are coming into this group how to bring out their um, particular gifts and talents and then we make a jump because we believe as do many many people certainly as Barbara Marks Hubbard believed that the new genius is a collective one so at that point there's a jump to a collective genius with people within the group co-creating projects with each other uh, and drawing in the resources. And because it's American, Australian, New Zealand, maybe some coming in from Europe, there'll be multiple areas and resources to pull on. And at the end of the program, those projects are launched to make a difference in the world. So so that's what The Evolutionist is, is about, speaking to these times and being in action.
1: And is that about a, a positive vision?
2: Very much so very much so Mm, mm. and you see i have a personal vision too that um fits into it really well Um, the personal vision i have is creating a world where everyone can thrive uh, regardless of background regardless of culture or ethnicity uh, regardless of identity or class that i'm passionate about having a world where everyone taps into who they are and what they have to offer and where people can thrive.
1: One of the things that we talk about for this show, we talk about it being positive but not deluded. Mm, mm, mm. And and it's interesting exploring why we we say that and Mm. why that is important, that it's not just a... The happy clappy everything is everything is awesome to steal from the Lego song mm, mm, mm. but there's that you can actually still have a, a, a critical approach to things mm, mm, and a positive mm. mindset
2: at the same time, and you see i 'm I'm deeply immersed in um, a political party in this country too i 've been in a particular role, convening the campaign committee for the greens, and we have rigorous debate. People are passionate about their beliefs, but we have a shared vision about what it is that needs to be put in place to address climate change and also to address inequalities. Uh, we see climate justice being two prongs that are very integrated. So and and we face up to, I guess we have our eyes wide open seeing what's happening right now. And I also believe along with many, many people, we're at this turning point and it appears as if we've just hit that turning point in the States, thank goodness. And now we have this decade and that's about all. You know, back in 2018, David Attenborough and others were saying we've only got 12 years left. Well, now we've only got 10. You know, And this is the time for us to look at what needs to happen, to to be willing to turn our heads around from old models and old paradigms and to take action. Uh, to alter, lighten our footprints on the world, to address inequality directly, recognise, acknowledge it, to deal with sexual violence against women and children and to bring about transformational change. So this is the time for us to do that collectively.
1: One of the criticisms of the, the Greens is that they'd be all right if they'd only stick to the, stick to the trees, <laughs> what are they doing? What are they doing? Meddling in this 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 social stuff, the sort of the, yeah, the you yeah. know the, the blue greens argument.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, stick to the trees, yes. But then, if you just stuck to the trees, what would be overlooked would be how to help societies, our society, New Zealand, how to help people in this country make a transition that's fair and just, moving away from um, you know heavy fossil fuel industries making cars that, that guzzle up petrol, et cetera, uh, people that, that had been paid to be working in the coal mines. What can we do to take account of what they need? What kind of jobs could be created, like in a green economy, a clean, green economy? And we had an example of that in lockdown, uh, where the tourism industry, of course, was hit very hard, and there were rangers out there getting eradicating wilding pines Eradicating, um, you know, pests, if you like, um, and so that's an example because it's all interlinked. Things, things are connected. They come, they are, they kind of occur together. So we can't just cut off one side and only focus on another.
1: I've asked several people this and not had a good answer, so I'm going to keep trying until I get an answer. <laughs> I've got this unease with this term shovel ready. Mm. First, because it puts all of the weight onto the the building roads type infrastructure and secondly Mm -hmm. it it overlooks all of the potential work that could be done in social and cultural areas Um, and in particular also it's a very 1950s kind of model is Mm -hmm. that what we need to do is put the money into where the blokes are driving the diggers yeah and I recognize Mm -hmm. that there are some women driving the diggers but it's still you you drive Mm -hmm. past the building sites it's, it's 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 still heavily male Mm, mm. What I'm looking for is how do we describe those other projects in an mm. equivalent way to Shovel Ready? Because Shovel Ready's got a real mm. good ring to it.
2: It has, hasn't it? And I agree with what you've said. One one of the concerns I have about it is it's still primarily um, men um, that will be doing those projects, as you just said, going past the building sites and so on. And sure, we want women... And girls, young women, um, to be encouraged to move into the non-traditional areas for for women. But I think I think what's missing in that is what we all came to realise and value during lockdown, which is how important the essential services are, which are the services that are all around caring for people. So this is part of the lens I have, and I have it as a um, as a green person as well. What is it we can do in society to actually? value that in monetary terms a lot more value the incredible work that people do caring for their dependents um caring for people in hospitals etc and often the very dangerous work that people were doing in lockdown that's part of the transformation i'd like to see and i'm not sure if there's a a kind of a, a an easy phrase to describe it but it's actually turning values around to say actually people that care for others people that nurture and teach young people etc those are the jobs that in the end matter the most so so that's that's part of what i believe needs to flip around in our heads
0: bubble sprite of the forest of Oroku Dunedin's favorite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie.
4: Kia ora koutou, All happy day, beautiful superstar, my beloved universes. And I really hope that wherever you are, whatever is happening on this journey, that we're all on, together proving very rewarding, very sustaining, and illuminating you more each day, who you are. The triumph of nature here, making. Thank you. So I've had a wonderful day. And of course i'm very excited to speak with you all about it and i'm so grateful for these five together each day it really helps me measurably and has helped me measurably over several as we have through all these different lockdown levels and being in our beloved bubbles can now very very fortuitously how miraculously how incredible and a testament to our collective dedication to one another as a dream team of five million frolic about freely now it's just absolutely incredible so in the spirit of this freedom we had more than 100 lovely young people come to visit us today or an amazing leslie wife of amazing sam began her baby kiwi care training today and so she was able to come in when the training had finished and talk about meeting the baby kiwi that we're looking after at the what her work caring for the baby kiwi will involve and that's such a we had a wonderful time with all of the students today it was really fantastic and of course for me more and more i'm just so grateful for the ability to stay in one place and go deeper and deeper into my connection and my relationship with Oro and of course all the life at Oro all the, all the other life forms at Oro including the rest of the staff and it's been wonderful to over the years see everybody grow and evolve and Move through different phases in their lives, and whether consciously or not, offer one another support and friend inspiration, friend encouragement. It's very important we all know. So, of course, it got me thinking that there's always so much potential in everyone, everyone that we meet. And we may not know this, but there's always so much potential within ourselves as well. And there's actually always so much potential in all life that is just a, an aspect, and the nature, the very nature of life, that it will just continue to grow and develop and evolve. That is what all life does. And so it's been wonderful for me over the years with my education dream team, to really see these wonderful, wonderful people just grow and develop the confidence in their skills. And they're now leading their own projects they're now doing all sorts of amazing things all over the world. And I feel so grateful for the time that we've had together and I always feel that connection with them forever and ever. And it's wonderful to know that this is happening all around us, even if we don't directly meet these people, even if we don't directly connect immediately with these life forms, that potential for growth and coevolution is always being filled around us constantly. So I have really enjoyed reveling in the sense of that power today another aspect of that actualized potential of course is that sense of joy that sense of accomplishment when we are able to do things that we really love maybe that we didn't realize could do and i see this in all of the life that i encounter but particularly of course the beautiful young people come to visit us at Oroka big big adventures out in the real world the living a little world it reminds them of who they are and it's very important so I hope that for all of you, you are having the opportunity to realise all the incredible things that you are and do. And I'll look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Thanks, so Kaki
1: You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Pleasance Hanson. Pleasance, we've seen lots of societal changes over the last few months. What do you think is going to stick? And what do you hope will stick?
2: mmm. Mm. Okay, so what I've thought of, I'll just say it. What I, what I hope will stick is an inner quietness that maybe a lot of people have found uh, and a reappraisal about our lives, not being so busy, not being so frantic. And I guess the other thing I really hope does stick is a drop in blatant consumerism. I know that during lockdown, I had the chance to finally get rid of a credit card that had been hanging around my neck like a dead albatross. (laughs) I finally got rid of it. And the other thing I found during lockdown is I was reminded of what it was like growing up as a baby boomer in rural New Zealand. And growing up in that environment, I had an aunt that lived in what we called the back blocks. So she and her husband, Auntie Minnie and Uncle Bob, they went to town to buy their provisions once a month. I thought about that a lot. Uh, even made sure I got some herbs going in my garden, you know, um, made sure I had the oatmeal to make porridge every day, the lasagna sheets to get into the homemade vegetarian lasagna, all of that. And it was like, it was like a rekindling of, you could say old fashioned values, but in fact the values that we now need even more for a sustainable world. So I think it's been a massive reminder about what really matters. Um, and and how to be with that and how to live in a much more sustainable way.
1: It's interesting that although our systems seem to have hung together, I think that there is a case of only just. And we're Mm. certainly seeing around the edges, I know of people that have have got medicines that they're having to move off because those medicines aren't available and I know of a couple Mm. of businesses that are having to change how they uh, process things because parts aren't available and it really Mm. has highlighted how tenuous the Mm. stretched supply chains that we have, the Mm. just-in-time supply chains Mm. Mm
5: -hmm. and I
1: wonder if one of the things that we'll take from this is just a rethink of that sort of stuff, not just slowing down individually but but just having a bit of a think about what resilience means.
2: Yes, yes. And I, one statistic I'd read, like people all over the world now having their own veggie gardens, for instance, just being so much more appreciative of popping out into the backyard and um, pulling up the cabbage or the cauliflower or broccoli or whatever, you know, and digging up the potatoes. It's like, yeah, that. Be, be, accepting our reliance on Mother Nature and actually um, making more of that, going in that direction. Rather than uh, rather than the addiction of shopping, because for me the addiction of shopping was broken during lockdown, and I was vastly relieved. So not not just alongside getting rid of a credit card with debt that just kept mounting every every month, whether or not I spent anything on it, to really thinking differently about where do I want to put my money now, apart from donations or political parties and so on. But you know, where do I want to put it? I want to support local businesses. I want to support people that are making the food and the coffee, you know, for us, like actually supporting them. And of course, in New Zealand, um, supporting our local tourism, because we have such a phenomenally, phenomenally beautiful country to to live in and enjoy. What lessons do you
1: think we can take from how we've responded in, in New Zealand or perhaps wider? Mm-hmm. For Mm. those longer term questions, you're talking about climate change and and social inequity, Mm. but there's biodiversity collapse. there's there's a long list of things Mm. that Mm. are almost intergenerational.
2: Yes. Mm. 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 I, I think the major lesson is to be even to be even more present to the impact of our footprint on the world. And I'll, I'll give you one example. I was in an international Zoom call with Finnhorn in Scotland. Phenomenal place um, that has a very light footprint on the world. Um, and right at the end, and this is like two, two, three o'clock in the morning because of the time differences. So I'd slept the night, I slept the afternoon before, and stuff like that. You make the, the adjustments you have to. Um, but right at the end, we were all asked to make a declaration, and I made a declaration that I was going to lighten my footprint in the world. Out, came off the Zoom, 3.30 in the morning, uh, went to the bathroom to wash my hands and get the towel off the heated towel rail. And already the bit a bit precarious. One of the hinges was kind of collapsing, but I still thought it was holding up. The next minute, it broke in my hands, and I went, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no more heated towel rails for me. You know, tiny example, but it was like boom, For as a for instance, yeah. Do
1: we need a, a, a crisis in order to transform?
2: Mm, great question. It's something Barbara Marks Hubbard used to say. She used to say every crisis is a birth. And I, I think we've just witnessed uh, quite a long a chronic crisis of four years um, in the States with an incredibly old style, negative type of leadership. Um, that has been so destructive. And the incredible number of deaths, you know, the carelessness around COVID. And my heart just goes out to my American friends and, and those deaths that have occurred. Now with Biden coming through, making that his top priority, it's like that's that's the birth of something because of, of coming through that crisis. Uh, and the crises, I guess, that are continuing for other places around the world, like parts of Europe and England going back to lockdown for another month. It's like, okay, more time for reflection, more time to keep thinking and rethinking. How do we do this differently? What is it we need to change? And at the same time, how do we continue to reach out, recognising that underneath it all, we are a worldwide community of human beings? And thinking about the school strike actions and the placards, my top favourite placard was there is no planet B. You know, there is no planet B. We're all on this planet. Um, It's up to us. And so for me, these times, the lockdowns, what's been happening, the pandemic and, and, and so on, it's like they're like the most massive cause to action that we could be experiencing. And it's up to us to respond to that.
1: Oh, just looking around me, there is a version of that placard in this room. But ah. I can't see it. <laughs> Left over right. from School Strike last year. Yes,
0: yes.
1: Yeah. Let's take Mary Blige Work That. This is the song that they played Kamala Harris out to in the it's not the acceptance speech. In the the sort of acceptance speech.
5: Mm, over the mm. weekend mm
6: Celebrating the things that everyone told me would never happen, but God has put his hands on me, and ain't a man alive could ever take it from me.
1: Talking before about a positive vision, mm. do we still mm. have the ability to to do that? I know Mawera is looking at the role of imagination do we do we know do we have the tools to have that positive vision
2: I believe we do and and I guess I'm going to use what could be termed an old fashioned word here too, but a word that I heard Joe Biden use. Just after, uh, yeah, no, no, another one. (laughs) And then he used it again in the speech he made over the weekend. Um, An old-fashioned word, but an amazing word, um, the word faith. And I think faith is about having optimism, even when our minds might be telling us there's no cause to. Because I think faith goes into those other realms of, of feeling and a much deeper knowing, a much higher intelligence that we can access in ourselves, And to have faith and i guess the other thing i have faith in sam is um people i have faith that enough people are aware of what needs to happen and are willing to change and take action like we've just seen in the american elections with the numbers of people that voted like we also saw here in new zealand where within the greens itself we had something like a youth tsunami thousands of young people voting for the first time and making sure they got out there and did that. And then for Joe Biden, so many of the black American voters who voted for him, and many of them would never, ever have voted before. So they turned their protest on the street in Black Lives Matter into votes in the voting booth. And I have to say, That political system needs such an overhaul. There were so many obstacles in their way. And for a number of them, they would have had to go back with the correct ID. They might not have had the exact right ID. You know, so many obstacles, but people still did it. People turned out in phenomenal numbers. They turned out to, just to recognise it, on both sides. So um, so the Republicans, Trump's voters were also um, galvanised into action. But thank goodness there was that 4 million um, voter margin. And also the key states, the key states in terms of the Electoral College, particularly Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, um, that um, where Biden was able to take them. So, wow. And now the US has the very first woman in the White House that's not, not a first lady, you know, um, the first black woman, the first Asian woman, grandfather from India, mother coming out at the age of 19, uh, yeah, so th- there's huge possibility and hope there as well and in our own country having um, Nanaia Mahuta appointed as our foreign affairs minister how incredible having a Maori indigenous woman speaking on our behalf around the world what a powerful statement
1: I have some questions to end the show with oh yes what yes, is the one. Yep. what is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years?
2: Um being part of the Greens and helping bring about a good great election result.
1: Who are the three three new ones? What was that? Who were the three new MPs?
2: Um Elizabeth Kiri Carey, um Ricardo Tiano. Um, two out of the three of them are, um, one's a lesbian, one's um, gay. Um, the three of them are activists in different spheres. Um, so phenomenal to have them now in our parliament as well. And they've made our caucus, um, the Green Caucus, um, the gayest in the world because 40% of our 10 are lesbian and gay. And we have hit the 10% threshold across our entire parliament. So we have, we have the queerest parliament in the world.
1: What do you think we can expect over the next three years? That's not one of Um, my normal questions.
2: No, what can we expect? I think we can expect quite a lot of pretty incredible change and alongside that I would say we can also expect quite a lot of resistance to that. And I think it's important going into these next three years and I'm thinking broadly, more broadly than just here too, three to four years, like the States and elsewhere. I think um, probably the most important thing in terms of dealing with people resisting or refusing to recognize the realities of climate change, for instance, is to never ever be shocked by their denial. Shock catches us and stops us from taking action. I was born into an incredibly conservative background. I'm very grateful for that because I know how possible it is to transform and change from that background. I also have empathy for people who are still caught up in the mind traps of backgrounds where there's deep conditioning um, and where one person um, is given ridiculous amounts of power. Um, But I'm not shocked. I'm not not a shockable person uh, because I know the extent to which That conditioning and indoctrination can so take over people's minds. So I don't waste time around bemoaning the trumps of this world. Um, It's like, let's look at what we can do. Let's keep our focus ahead.
1: So do you take on the transition towns approach of, I don't have to convince people that don't want to be convinced, I'm just getting on living a better life? Yep,
2: Very much so. And we were doing that in the Greens in terms of the people that we were ringing. We weren't going for cold calls. We were going for people who were warmed up to us or maybe on the fence, that's part of where we got phenomenal success. What could we do to get them to the voting polls? What could we do to persuade them to vote for the Greens? You know, party vote Green to get us in. Um, Yeah.
1: So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. Oh, wow. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in our team. What is the superpower that's got you into the mansion?
2: Whew! I would say my enthusiasm and my unfailing optimism that are combined, and they come from knowing the opposite. So my, super, my, my superpower is not a superficial one. It comes from very deeply lived life experience and a huge journey I took myself to come out of um, a deeply conservative background which also had a lot of love in it. So, you know, I I acknowledge that as well. And I've also experienced a great deal of healing within my family of birth, despite our massively different views. So I know what's possible. It's my belief in what's possible. That's my superpower.
1: So do you consider yourself to be an activist?
2: Absolutely. I'm a social catalyst and a change maker, all of those things. (laughs) Why? Because I like to walk my talk. I've been talking about these things for decades, and I've also been living it. And I think you have to walk your talk; otherwise, words are hollow and shallow.
1: So, what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning?
2: Ah, those kinds of things, um, and and also believing that I'm here to make a difference. You know, I value being alive. Um, I've been around a lot of death, um, including um, a very very my my partner or 25 years. Um, And I'm so grateful for the preciousness of life. So that's what motivates me there.
1: So what challenge are you looking forward to in the next year or so?
2: (laughs) Well, the challenge of launching um, a global online applied leadership program with with other women. um, We're across four time zones. and, And the challenge and the excitement of that and and bringing people in to work with us and then see what is created through that particular container. So that's both challenge and opportunity.
1: And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners?
2: Advice? Follow your heart. Um, And delve deeply into it. For instance, ask yourself the question, what is my heart's deepest desire? And that will open up inner doors to what you are most passionate about and what you care about the most, and then follow it, regardless.
1: Thank you for that, Moira. Okay.
0: That has been really, really interesting. Pleasants, so many, so many definitions for imagination is what I've heard today, yeah. and it it's your worldview is so uh, optimistic and so positive and mm. yeah I think we could all do with seeing the world through your lens
2: thank you
1: <laughs> so we're going out in the celebration of the U.S. election we're going out to the Marvelettes please Mr. Postman but before we do can you remind us of how we find the evolutionist
2: Right, the, the, we're called the Evolutionists Dash the New Genius, and I think a link's going to be put in um, at the end of this podcast too for people to uh, come into our Facebook. Um, it's a private book uh, group, um, so we'll be um, bringing you in as you send through your request. It'd be wonderful to see our listeners on that page, adding to our international community and adding to raising the conscious evolution of humanity, because that's what we're all about.
1: Blowing bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at three and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We'll put a link to the Evolutionistas on Facebook. We've had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani, and in Mornington, Dunedin, Pleasant's Handsome. We hope you enjoyed the show.